Okay, so you guys are really going to like this. Uh, some of you may, may or not know, I've had epic discussions with Brian Litz and others regarding Spindrift. Uh, I, I've talked about it a little bit, um, but I'm, you know, I think we way overdo it. And, and a lot of the data goes back to the 50s, and I just, I'm of the impression the numbers are wrong. I don't see them in real life the same way the books tell us it should be. So there's been another kind of spindrift discussion, and it, it was sitting around for a while and kind of laying back. And then Jim Boatwright, who does a lot of the coning theory, and he's a ballistician, he saw it, and he came in and gave his comment on it yesterday. So one of the Sniper's Hide forum members wrote a poem about spindrift in me to it. So the, it, the, the poem he has as a title is Ode to Frank, a.k.a. The Littlest Goomba. A little bit of language here because it's a frank poem, so you guys will get it. But here, here's the poem. Brian fingered ten fucking fairies, spinning right and free. Jimbo fingered eight fucking fairies, but Frank only fingered three. Spin those fuckers left, Frank said. Spin them left and see. There'll be no fucking fairies left for fucking you and me. So I think that's freaking hysterical, man, that, that that they went and did that. Brian fingered 10 fucking fairies spinning right and free. Jimbo fingered eight fucking fairies, but Frank only fingered three. Spin those fuckers left, Frank said. Spin them left and see. There'll be no fucking fairies left for fucking you and me. <laughs> so... You're listening to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here, and Mike's over at Mile High. Make sure, and Justin, 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 you ruined comedy gold. Okay, so the whole combine thing. What does Justin do on Facebook? He posts a picture. It was a great picture. The 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 sky and the whole thing looked awesome. He posts a picture of a combine because I don't know what the fuck a combine is. And so Mike's like, oh, I just said, oh, it's a tractor. So Mike comes on and Mike's like, well, what's a combine do? And, and he goes through this whole process. He's like, the only thing I know about a combine is running people over in Far Cry. What's a combine, you know? So as soon as Mike posts that, like within seconds, I came behind him and I'm like, it makes butter, duh like perfect right well then justin comes on and tries to explain to us what a combine does that's not what a combine does justin doesn't know what a combine does so don't even listen to it call mike up and ask mike what a combine does and (laughs) i'm gonna just tell you this right now guys it's not a conspiracy if it's true that's all i'm gonna say that none of this stuff is conspiracies unless it's true one of the what well, besides like alien and speaking of which the alien thing i tell you guys aliens are chi- time traveling chinese and what happened two days ago chinese tried to hack my website they flooded the sniper side forum with chinese posts because i'm telling you guys about the time traveling chinese and they're retaliating uh, with trying to do a denial of service attack on the dang website Luckily, it's got some good spam stuff, and I actually just bumped up my spam filters to, like, industrial level. So I may snare a couple things here and there, 
but it'll keep hopefully it'll 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 keep the Chinese down to they were actually Russian, Chinese, and Korean, but they they're all botted uh you know, slaved computers all over the place that are just doing that. So if you guys noticed it, we see it. All you got to do is send a report or whatever. And we have spam tools that helps us clean it up pretty quick. But every account did something like 20 or 25 posts at a time because they come in behind the scenes and they don't work like a normal account does. So each one, each bot does like 25 posts. So we had about about 500 to clean up, and luckily the forum um, can do that relatively easy. Once we find them, and they do it 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Once I got up at 5 o'clock and I saw it, but I'm still mega stressed over my web stuff. And it, what killed me today, so yesterday I spent all day building a new website. I have this snipershigh.tv website that I kind of was going to turn into a thing. So I'm using it as sort of a test bed. So I told you what my drama over the web stuff, and then when I got up and I was going through everything, I revisited what they did, and when I was clicking on their web page that they uploaded like Monday, Tuesday, that was supposed to be the fix, all the links and everywhere went to the web page on their server. So they didn't update the database when they uploaded it to my server, so the the website still thought it was on their development site. I emailed them and they fixed it, whatever. But before that happened, I was I was out of my mind yesterday. I actually re-hurt my shoulder. Today I was at physical therapy and she says it was swollen and I messed it up. I was so stressed out over this damn website thing. What I did is I went out and got myself a, a new template and a whole new thing. And, and, and I was looking around for like two hours. I found one I really liked. I installed it on snipershigh.tv. And I've been playing with it all day yesterday until about 8 o'clock last night. I, I was rebuilding it. So I finished. I didn't finish it. There's a couple sections that I need to do. But I, I finished what I was going to play with. And so today when I got up before I went to physical therapy, I ran some of this through Google's mobile device testing website to give you the time in the seconds. I'm only like a few seconds off of what they did for I don't know how much money. The forum loads in three seconds. The forum is like in stellar mode. So if you want to use internet, mobile browsing, go on SniperSide forum. We're, Google says we're, we're loading on a 3G network in three seconds. Can't beat that, right? So um, the other ones are loading in 15 and 25 seconds, you know, on a 3G network. So I'm optimizing it now and I'm going to rerun it and see what I can do. But if I can get this site that I'm building and playing with down to like 15 seconds for a 3G network, I will have done the same thing that these guys charged me for in one day. And and that's driving me beyond nuts. Well, two days, you know. So basically with me working on it and playing with it, what the biggest problem is, is I didn't op- optimize any of the images I uploaded so a lot of the images are mine, like, you know, 4,000 by 4,000 coming out of my good cameras. And so now I installed an optimizer plugging. I'm letting it go do all that stuff. So I'm going to come back and see what it does. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. I, I, cruising through. Uh, thank you guys for posting. Uh, I know Mike's posting some stuff in the Everyday Sniper podcast section. Uh, guys are coming in and, and I, I really appreciate the feedback you all are giving us on this podcast. Uh, it, it helps a lot. We're, we're totally digging it. 
and and you know we we want to bring you this good data and and everything. I played a little bit more with the DRS. There's really a lot you can do with that, even though it's just sort of an external display. It's so small and light that it it it, it could become a really good like dynamic dope card for you where you can pull like dope right there if you're going to a type of prs match or something to that effect um what you can do is you can get your match booklet you could fill in everything you need to for every stage and just run through and load each one it's going to take a little bit of prior proper planning so you won't have that piss poor performance but once you do that, I think the flexibility in this device is definitely worth the 130 bucks you're going to spend on it. So um, it, it's not a bad idea if, if you're an Android user to, to go out there and look at this sort of digital dynamic display for your dope card. Digital dynamic display for your dope. I like that. That's kind of cool. So... So kind of going through the form and stuff and, and some and looking at some of the different questions, they're still getting a ton of questions on scopes. Uh, newbies wanting to come in and buy a scope. And y- working within your budget, you're really, again, we're, we're, we're so close right now to product A versus product B. You know, the Bushnell versus the SIG or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, it, it's always sort of this... You, you know, do I want a Vortex in this price range or do I want a Bushnell in this price range? Do I want this one in this price range or do I want an Athlon? Uh, just talking with the Athlon guys and, and they're coming out with some new stuff and, you know, but lower end things. A lot of people are going lower end like the Acme product. I don't know if I talked to you guys. If you're looking for like now, like you can get an Acme scope and, and I, yes, laugh. It's it's totally Wiley Coyote. It's what it's meant to be. They're like $399, 6 to 24, all good features, really, you know, they're budget. They're a Chinese scope, but they're made by and they're designed by the same people that are making all these scopes. They're just where there's more than one factory over there in China and Japan and stuff that make them. You know, they could be Japan, they could be China, or they could be Philippines. The thing is, they could be designed in Japan and built in the Philippines, or designed here, and then mass-produced in the Philippines or China. But our specs nowadays are so dang close to each other. You know, anything most of us are looking at, the reputations are following them. You know, is it an Athlon or a Bushnell? Let's go in that direction. They're sort of that middle of the road in, in, in all of that, and they're coming from a similar origin right their origin story is the same we'll say in a lot of ways even some of those like the vortex the vipers and the pst's so all those guys have the exact same origin story the difference is the brand right and they they'll make the design look slightly different from each other so bushnell doesn't look the same as athlon doesn't look the same as vortex doesn't mean the same guy didn't have a hand on it just mean or you know the company designs it it just means they have to have a little bit of variety there that you know it's 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 acura nissan infinity all that stuff you know lexus acura infinity nissan honda 
all those guys are all intertwined. You know, same thing with scopes. You, you can have like a Honda, which saves you a little money, or you got an Acura Affinity that's cost you a little bit more. But it's coming like my Touring. That's a great example out of Germany. Okay. Volkswagen owns Volkswagen, Audi, and Porsche. And Audi's an acronym, just like Fiat's an acronym. You know, Audi's like the automakers of Germany, blah, blah, blah. So my Touring, for example, they make the Touring. They make the Audi Q series, or I think it's Q series for the Audis, what they call them, the Audi SUV, and then they make the Porsche, the uh, SUV. They're all made in the same spot. The only difference is the, the the logo they put on the outside. Really, you know, there's slight body differences, but they all come off the same assembly line. The it, it, you know it 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 doesn't really make a difference other than what are you spending? Well, I'm spending X amount for my Touring. The guy who bought the Porsche is going to spend more. The guy with the Audi is going to fall somewhere in the middle, right? And, and, and that's really all it comes down to. Scopes are the same way. So you have a scope and you're, you're, you're going to be within your budget. So what's your next most important consideration? The reticle. It's all about the reticle you choose, okay? I just been going back and forth. I can't say a whole lot. Dude, like three times this week, I've had companies sending me reticles. What do you think of this reticle versus that reticle? Okay, I don't like this. That looks good. That looks all right. Okay, what do you think about then they'll revise it, which they did. Like I was going back and forth the other day with a couple things with one of, uh, if I, if I spilled the beans on what company I was talking with, you'd be like, what? So I'm like, hey man. What do you think of this? Okay, that looks good. This is good. I don't like that one. All right, they came back. Hey, how about this? Okay, yeah, that looks much better. It's a lot cleaner. It has more features people like. Okay, you guys run with it. That happens a lot. The reticle is your key element. It's your point of input. Like, it's your interaction with a scope. We may dial MOA. We may dial mills. You may have like a a, a collis, right? Parallax on the top, left-hand windage. That's sort of separating them from the other guys. That's an input thing. That's how we we add our data. But then the most important part is we're looking through the scope, through the scope, okay? We're going to look through the scope, and now we have to utilize that reticle. We need to be pulling information from your scope's reticle. How well you can resolve it how well you can understand it, how well the subtensions make sense to your brain matters more than anything else. You're dialing 0.1 mil, you're dialing quarter M away, who cares, okay? If the windage is on the left side, who cares? You're just using your left hand instead of your right, but you're steering through it how you're going to hold, how you're going to quarter, how you're going to focus on the target, how you're going to look at the wind in relationship to that target, all is going to be measured out through the reticle. The reticle is a calibrated ruler three inches in front of your nose. It's important because that's the thing. You don't get to see all that other junk, really. You're kind of behind it and you're focused in. Your glass, 
don't get obsessed with glass. These guys are all specking almost exactly the same glass for each other. Glass has a spec. Where it comes from matters little. It's just complicated sand, right? Well, then that gets compressed and put together and it creates and burned and heated and, you know, the whole thing. Friggin' aliens land. They take off again. There's glass shards on the ground, right? So you take that, polish it up, cut it, make it all nice. Well, then it's just glass. It's a design, convex, concave, prism, blah, 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 right? There's all these different types of... Of lenses because remember a scope has about 13 on average elements in there element a has to complement element B there's going to be a negative side effect with then element C will correct that adds to a B C and then you go all the way to the number 13 as one thing adds to it another thing takes away from it it's where you get light loss transmission right darkness so what fixes that? Coatings on the lens. The coatings matter more than anything. What I found is in the lower cost scopes, your coatings tend to erode a little sooner than your high end scopes. And what's the biggest? There's like two monster things that screw coatings up. Sunlight and water. Okay. So those things kind of mess coatings. And when you wipe on them and if you get water on it and you wipe it in the sand and the grit and the oil from your fingers, anything like that takes away from the coatings. And that reduces the picture over time with lesser quality optics because they're not going through the same amount of processes, quality controls and things like that, that the expensive scopes go through. Okay, what they do is they take the glass they put them on these trays and these things and the trays spin around in the air and these coat and this machine throws like coatings into it so it's kind of like this particle storm and they pass the glass through the particle storm let it dry and do all that it's almost like painting the, the it's why it's called coatings you're painting the glass but the glass side of things is specked there's a there's a there's a shot chart, there's a howa chart, there's you know all the, the, it's the same. You can go to a shot chart and you can look at it and then say okay, I'm going to do I'm going to take my shot glass chart. Everybody shot glass, shot glass, got to have a shot. Yeah, got to have a shot. Shot of whiskey maybe. So you you go and you say okay, shot glass has this chart. I'm going to create this scope and we're going to design it now. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pick this lens, this lens, and this Abbey number for glass. I want this ABBE, Abbey. Well, then you could say, okay, shot wants X amount of money for those elements. I go to Hawa and get it at half price, but get the same spec. I mean, think about these cameras and stuff we're doing. All that Canon, Nikon, right? It's all Japanese. You don't see photographers chasing German glass. Now, there's looks, the Cook look with video lens, Schneider, you know, there's, there's looks people will go for because certain lenses give them a better bokeh, a better look. You know, they, they, the, 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 the blur is, is, a, is a nicer round. The, the, you know, there, there are looks that people are going through, but that's because the camera is capturing the look through the scope. For us, we can't. We're not. We're, we're not designing a scope that same way. 
So what our look becomes is a coding factor for hunters and stuff. Can you peer into the green and see the brown of your animal? Okay. Can you get through a shadow? So there's blue blocker, yellows, and greens, right? When you look at the lenses, there's a tint. That's to help you resolve certain things better. If they know this scope is a target scope, they want a black and white resolve. They're not really worried about color as much. So that's why your old Night Forces, the NXS series, like, you know, your, your 12 to 42s, all of them across the line, the 5 to 22s, were flat. They had a high resolution, but very little color pop. Because when you're looking at your target boards, you don't want that, that fringing, you, like Bushnell. A lot of times if you look at white paper where the black and white, you might see a yellow or purple fringing. So if they make the, the color pattern flat, you won't get that flaring of color around certain objects. Okay? Where if, if it's a scope meant for certain like low light hunting you know that when you bring it to a white paper target, you might see some some colors in there. And, and it's chromatic aberrations and things like that. A little bit of flaring comes out. What What's happening too is with these lower cost scopes and then going into your holdover reticle stuff, you start to distort on the outside, the internal third of the scope of the lens, the internal one third of the circle. So if you break that full sight picture up into thirds, your sweet spot with your most accuracy is in that first third. Then it starts to kind of play a little bit and very microscopic here out to the second two thirds, right? Well, when you get to the outside one third of the glass, now you start risking distortions. You start risking where you're getting almost like a parallax. So what you think you're holding may not work out as well. There may be some, and the farther out you go, and when the bigger variations you throw in, and especially with things like Mirage and stuff like that, heat off the barrel, heat off a suppressor, now the distortions increase, right? So you get like Ward O'Brien or Ward Brian, not O'Brien, but Ward Brian from uh, Cosine Angle Indicator, Sniper Tools. He's talking about Snell's Law and that he brought a team of Marines to his area and Snell's Law is the distortions in the atmosphere, okay? And to me, some of these cheaper scopes are seeing these distortions. Well, he had guys shooting eight, 900 yards with a holdover with a horse reticle and we're missing the target. Well, then they dial the same number they held and they'd hit the target. And why? Because that's distortion within the glass that is modifying the distortions in the air, in the atmosphere, right? So when you're looking at those lesser dollar scopes, that stuff becomes more visible if you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, it's easy to overlook these distortions. It's easy to miss you because then you think it's you. Oh, wow. You know, I missed that target by a little bit. I must have did something wrong. I tapped the trigger. I did this. I did that. I pushed into it my shoulder. I pulled back. The load wasn't right. So you can get these vertical and horizontal variations that you think came from your load, 
you, something else, but really they're coming through that reticle glass target relationship because of that's where the less money goes okay that's more so and that and the bitch is guys girls you can't um see it just by looking at it you're you, you it's not something you can pick a scope up in a store and look at it and go this one looks better than that one. This one has less than that. Yeah, in the store, honestly, they all look really good. That's why I like what Mike does and stuff. They go outside with the scopes and they let people compare. Now, yes, pick the one more pleasing to your eye. It's, it's guys, it's all about you, man. It's you, you, you. My opinion, Mike's opinion, the internet's opinion doesn't matter. If, if, if now... I get it. If you can't go out and physically touch it, put your face behind it, then you have to go off of other people's opinions. But what you can do is look at the reticles on these websites, on the companies. You come to the forum, you can come to whatever. Somebody, if you said, hey, I want to look at these three scopes. I don't know what I'm looking at. Can somebody show me the reticles and tell me what they think of these reticles? What's the pro and con of each one? And then take the and then let somebody explain it to you and then say to yourself, does that look intuitive to me? Does that look easy to use? Will I not forget what I'm doing? Will I not get lost in the lines or dots? And then you can make a decision based off of that. I would rather every post I see is a picture of four radicals and you telling us which one would be best suited for what you're going to do than saying, hey, what should I get, a Athlon or a Bushnell? Whichever one you like, dude. Who cares? The prices are close to the same. The whole thing, it doesn't really matter. They're coming from the same place. Their, their, their origin, their DNA is nearly identical. What's different is product A's reticle versus product B. Okay, there might be some coding differences. They may say Bushnell's coatings are for Bushnell, Athlon's coatings are for Athlon. And so there might be that, but you're not really going to see it until it's too late. And then it'll probably be something that's like, you know, 15 years from now, you, you're, your one might look a little dimmer than the other. You know, one's not holding up as well when you pass it down to your grandkids. So that's kind of where you're going and why you spend the more money and you get the more expensive scopes because hopefully they invested more money into the parts, which includes the glass, as well as they have more expensive people who can design it. Now, don't get me wrong. You can go, we can, all of us, we can say, hey, we want an everyday sniper line of scopes. We can draw out our specs and say what we want. We could fly wherever. We can fly to Germany, go to Miopta, say, I want this scope under these specs, with these conditions, show me what you got, and I'm here's my budget. You know, most of these things you're looking at are $300 and less end user for, you know, like wh where these guys are going. But you'd have to say to them, what's my budget and where do I want my margins to be? We can go to Light Optical in Japan. We can go to Miopta in Germany. We can go, if we have big money, we can go like with the Premiers and the Zico and the different, we go to like Andy who who had the um, the GPOs and the stuff and we can take the guy who designed the Schmidt and Bender 5 to 25 and we can let him spec us out a scope and then we can figure out what's it going to cost to make it. 
But the key, the key, the key is the radical. Learn to embrace the radical. Learn to base your decision on budget and radical, okay? Yes, you can go and say who has a greater risk of return. And it might be a kind of a blind question. If you know you're going to go to gun shop A, call one and say, hey, I'm interested in buying a scope and I see you guys sell this one and this one. Can you tell me something? Which one has more returns? Which one do more people come back and say, I don't like this scope anymore. I want to swap this out. I bought this one, but I now want to trade it for this one. Or I bought this one and it didn't work and I need customer service on it. Because odds are they're going to probably call the, the dealer first. So you can go to the dealer. Dealers know which ones come back more often than the other. They may not publicly say it, but I think if you straight up and ask them and say, I'm looking at these two models and they're probably going to be within you know a couple hundred bucks of each other if that. Which one gets returned more often than the other one? Which one has your customer call back up crowing about? Then you can kind of split your hairs and make a decision brand wise. You know, you can do it like that and then see where the errors are if they happen to know. Was it a tracking error? Was it a return to zero error? Because if you see it, it's like return to zero errors. It might be ring problem. You know, we've talked about the rings and the vertically split rings that move the scope tube out around. And then you have a, a return to zero issue. They'll dial up and to the right, no problem. They won't come back and to the left the same way. Because that gimbal's being pinched and adjusted. The, it, the, the erector doesn't settle on the spring the same way. You run into a problem. All right? So that's one of the things that y- you you can be talking about. But, I mean, just to say, brand A or brand B? Athlon or Bushnell? I don't know. One starts with A, one starts with B. Which one do you want to buy? You know, if you can get one a little cheaper than the other, okay, well, there's a factor. If it, you, that's that's a budget factor. That comes to your budget. Maybe it makes the wife happier. Hey, honey, I saved us $37.18 buying the Bushnell instead of buying this SIG. What do I get? You know? So, you know, pat in the back. Th- there you go. And And that's my mini kind of asking questions, scope rant, blah, blah, blah. Uh, side note here, hey, uh, Chaz there, uh, Warhorse, Searson Bags, I dig that gray color, man. I, w- I went into Mile High to drop some stuff off for Mike the other day, and I saw those gray uh, Warhorse bags, the the, the four-leg uh, one, Saracen. I like the small one, to be honest with you. That small one's pretty kick-ass. But he has a, a like a sniper gray color with black accents in the handles and stuff, looks pretty shit hot that sniper gray is a cool ass color it, it it's got a it's got a little something something about it so hey thanks you guys for kind of getting out there and doing things just just slightly different than the norm it's good to see a new color out there yeah you've seen the pinks in the in the tiffany's in in you know multicams cryptex and all that but this gray was was pretty darn sexy um so i i, I have to say I, i'm a fan Another quick shout out, um, guys in Alaska. Guys in Alaska, man, they're out there shooting. It's it's pretty funny because um, they're, they're not involved in sort of the lower 48 politics of the PRS, NRL kind of crap. They just stood up their first uh, uh, match, James and everything. I want to shout out to James up there. James, Jimmy D, 
Jimmy D send, sending down some everyday sniper and snipers hide mugs. Uh, so thank you, Jimmy D, for doing that. I'll see you guys. God, it's coming up quick, man. We only got like freaking 45 days or so, and, I'll, and I'm going to start being up there pretty close. 50 days, 45 days, something like that. And uh, so we're going to start doing our classes up in Alaska. Class is over full with, with, with stuff, man. We got so many people this year. We're, we're over 100-something students. I think we're like at 120s for just Alaska students. So those guys are some some good shooters. And they, they got their little Alaska Precision Rifle with uh, Mark Taylor and Wiggies up there. If you guys, if, if there's been people, you got to get on it quick. Maybe you can go into Wiggies and ask Mark because some people have emailed me recently Hey, I hear you doing classes in Alaska. I want my buddy wants to get in. Dude, we're full. But if you call Mark, do a little begging, you might be able to roll into something. You know, he's not one to generally say no if he can squeeze somebody in uh, like that. But most of the classes are full. Like you have to get on it by January. So for next year's classes, if you haven't basically put your name and put your money down come January... Odds are you won't get in. Um, and we're going, we actually added class uh, in September, October. Uh, we added a little block because we're going to probably do, I think they're going to make the reunion slash. Um, they, they do like some nice alumni shoot stuff. And, and Mark does the uh, the train up days and he does the visiting days and, and all that. And so um, I think we're around Sheep Creek Lodge is where we stay outside of Talkeetna or Keetna, or whatever the hell they, how they say it, some weird Indian name. Um, so w- the Sheep Creek Lodge up there uh, with, with Molly and Jesse, they have sort of their anniversary in October. So they're working that event around their anniversary, and it's a good party, fireworks, up all night, you know, having a drink and eating, all that stuff. Like we don't need to drink anymore when we go to Alaska. You're, you're, when, you're, when you're held captive at a bar... Uh, you know, we, we tend to have a good party for these classes. It's it's like guys come for two days and, and when they go home, they got to have a liver replacement or dialysis or whatever the heck it is. But um, thanks to Jimmy D up there for, for the mugs. The mugs look really cool. Um, I'm going to be giving that to Mike and, and stuff when we do that. So uh, a couple shout outs for, for guys. I know there was a few talking on the app. Oh, uh, uh, the Podbean app. I had I had some guys. Uh, I'm not paranoid. There, one shot TC. I'm not paranoid. It's true. Oh, these are all true stories. I I know. I've worked on the inside. Um, yes, it's et uh, uh, EVS to uh, Trob two hundred five EVS man. Your external viewing screen. That's definitely how you got to do it. Blues guy or whatever, 380, thank you. Pettit, I don't know if that's George. Pettit 260 might be George, right? Thank you uh, if that is. I think he's that might be that guy. Um, a few others. Uh, yeah, for my shoulder, I, I mentioned that, that that's where it is. I've screwed it up again. It was I was in pain again today um, would, uh, from yesterday. I had so much damn stress from this friggin' website. And I and I kind of blew that friggin' I talk with my neck, I guess she said. Go figure, right? My hands, my neck. I, I I'm I'm a, I'm a full body uh ranter. So but yeah, that's the um thank you guys on on the app. And then you are you, you're just having too much fun on Facebook. I I'm not big into coming into Facebook. I hit and run it. 
because I, I got everybody over on Sniper's Hide. But uh, thank you guys for for throwing the feedback, throwing the comments, and giving us uh, the reviews. Please go to iTunes and that and review us on iTunes. iTunes reviews will, will matter much more than sort of the Facebook Podbean in that places. The stars help on Podbean and in the ratings there, but iTunes wise is where you're. We're, that's going to help separate us from the other guys. We already know we have fun. You know, it, it's uh uh uh. Uh, so none of that. <laughs> it's it, 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 I don't say um enough for it to, to compete with some of the other people. I need to say um a lot more. Um, um, I've had, I've actually had people ask me how I, uh, how I learned to not do it. And it's just kind of came natural being on front of the camera. So go to iTunes, review us. Even if you only use the Podbean app, if you have an iTunes account, Go in and do it anyway, even if you're not using iTunes. Pop into the iTunes Everyday Sniper Podcast and, and, and drop us a little review. Um, I tend to like the Podbean stuff, but it is there on iTunes now, so might as well, right? Shooting-wise, I have one other thing I was going to do. I'm going to revisit this, though. Um, I want to just kind of give a basic breakdown. With the 22, because uh, I am mentioning this as I spoke with the yesterday, day before, two days ago. Paul from Voodoo Gunworks. My Voodoo Gunwork 22 is just about finished. It's probably going to ship out tomorrow, if not Monday. And so, um, I got everybody's ranting about the Voodoo stuff. Um, Voodoo Gunwork 22s are are into a whole nother level with, with all of this. So uh, I had ordered myself up one, and I'm looking at all of these um, scaled. Factor, scale factor. You can scale factor your full-blown load into, yeah, your full-blown load, right? Scale it down. Don't, don't, <laughs> I'm not going to say it because there are women listening. <laughs> I'm the, it's, it gets like a softball. How could you not? So anyway, there's a scale factor for 22s. You can take your, your, your 6.5 Creed, your 308, your 6 millimeter whatever the case may be, and you could determine the scale factor. Now, there's two different schools of thought that I'm, I, I pulled two of them up, and because they differ enough in how they're doing it, I'm going to recommend you guys go to Fin Accuracy. Okay, Fin Accuracy, these guys do some really good work, and they're doing a lot of it in English for us because they're coming over from Finland and stuff. Uh, their website, so they have it both. They 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 have it in, in their native language, and then they put some stuff in English. They did an Excel spreadsheet that will let you take your load and power factor it to your twenty-two, and it, it's it's really a good-looking sheet. It's a lot of work. Um, I downloaded it and grabbed it. You can fill it out, then you can print it, and you'll have charts to scale your stuff. Um, I also grabbed this other one from Ballistic Edge. Ballistic Edge has a scaled-down article, and Ballistic Edge has a lot more talking about it. And so, like, I'm gonna just gonna go for for um, I'm gonna read from Ballistic Edges because I have it right in front of me. But I highly recommend Google Fin F I N N Accuracy, all one word. They do the MSR reticle for like Schmidt and Bender and spotters. These guys are on their game over there. And and so download your um your your fin accuracy scale factor, your Excel sheet and you you can do that. Now, 
For the Ballistic Edge stuff, I, again, I, I printed it, so I'm going to read part of it. And it says, the method consists of establishing a baseline drift profile of your centerfile cartridge wherein the bullet drifts a certain amount in mils or MOA per 100 yards based on a specific wind velocity. Example, your XYZ load drifts 0.1 mil per 100 yards in a 6 mile an hour full value wind. The base wind is therefore 6 inches. Well, then it talks about going into that. Now, what you would do is you would begin with your cartridge you want to simulate. Enter its velocity in BC, which are most common conditions where you're going to shoot. Establish a baseline. Set the program to give you an output in 100 hour increments and decide whether you use mil and MOA. Yeah, we already know that. I, they use one mil. Run trajectory tables, which gradually increase the full value wind until you reach a speed which gives the desired amount of drifts per 100 yards. This wind speed is now your base wind. Now enter the velocity in BC for your 22 ammunition, keeping all the inputs the same. Include your base wind and set the program to give you an output table in one yard increments. Scroll down and find the ranges at which your wind drift matches the center fire. These will be adjusted, adjusted ranges which are scale reduced. To illustrate, I'll give an example. The rifle I wish to simulate is a 6.5 firing a .320 G7BC bullet at 2760. So 6.5 firing a .320 G7 bullet at 2760. His average atmosphere for him is 50 feet, 3,000 feet above sea level. And he gets a .1 average drift out to a thousand yards from a base wind of 6.3 miles per hour his chosen 22 ammunition has a 0.150 g1 bc at 1230 feet per second the corresponding ranges the wind drift the same will then appear as such so he does a scale factor where a uh, uh, hundred yards equals 13 yards with the 22 200 yards is 26 because now it's just going to go up on 13 yard increments, right? So it's 13, 26, 39, 52, 65, 78, 91, 104, 117, and his 1,000 yard simulation is done at 130 yards, okay? Since, and they're saying the wind drift's fairly linear. It's not, but okay, just by mere numbers, wind is not doesn't work always that way it does go to a certain amount linear depending on your target size but because wind's so unpredictable it, it's not always like super linear depending i guess if you have a a, a wind with a, a range with a light wind and not a lot of terrain it'll be super linear but anyway so what they're doing is they divide then by 10 because their factor becomes 130 yards divided by 10 is the 13 yards and that's what creates their 100-yard increments. So they're using software to identify the pattern. Heard that before, right? You will hear this again. Patterns. So you identify the pattern, and then they're dividing the 130 by uh, by 10, which gives them that 13-yard increment. 1,000, 130, base 10, boom, they're done. But Ballistic Edge guys did this uh, scale factor. And then for a little simpler one, there with a little less, you can use the fin accuracy and those guys with their scale factor. So all good stuff out there for you, 22 guys. Um, I gotta get that. I'm gonna get the like I said, the voodoo and and do all that with, with them. But we we should be uh, good to go when it comes to that stuff. All right, guys. 
I'm going to be signing off now. Give Mike a call. Ask him what a combine is. (laughs) What's it really combine? Does it combine Chinese DNA with elephant DNA to give them the gray color skin so they won't sunburn? Because that's a combine, right? Combine our DNA with elephant DNA, put them together. Boom. No more sunburn. Elephants don't burn. Fact. Not a conspiracy. Just saying. I don't want to. I don't want to say too much there, bloke. But not a conspiracy if it's true. So you've been listening to Frank from Sniper's Hide, and this is the Everyday Sniper, your precision rifle podcast. Tactical rifle, right? Tactical precision rifle. I think tactical precision for the serious tactical marksman. Anyway, so. Give Mike a call. He's over at uh, 303-255-9999999999. And tell him I said hi. Again, look at reticles, guys. Look at your scopes in a different way. Don't always do the same thing. I We, we get so much. That's how we always did it. That's how we should continue to do it. Now, we can change things a little bit. You know, sometimes the old way is good, like with the fundamentals. I haven't talked to fundamentals in a while. I think the next one I do, I'm going to do a big fundamental one for you. But we're going to, we talked about the one thing that Mike posted on Sniper's Hide that we're going to do. So we're definitely going to get into shooting and stuff. But that's going to be like a, a whole different deal, real time, you know. So, um, again, Look outside the box a little bit with some of these solutions. Look at inward, man. Look at yourself. Oh, also with the um, mile high debt, I, we're, we're all full up in May. May starts soon. August, I don't know what is left, but now we're going to roll into October. If you guys want to get in with a mile high detachment class, October, I think, is it. There might be a space or two for October, uh, a few of them, um, not a whole lot, but uh, definitely. Uh, August rather back up strike it August has maybe two to four slots left if that October has slots more available there's only like two or four people in October for sure so if you want to take a precision rifle class with me uh, with Mike and with the everyday sniper guys and you want to you know kind of go it's the mile high debt I'm going to look at for next year filling in some more classes sooner this was really kind of, hey, let's do this. And, and I just did a couple every other month. I'll try to make classes for 2019 every month for them. And and we'll have some more services and things out there. We're going to put up, I talked to Randy the other day about the extra Connex and building up a little kind of mini structure for us that'll double as a, a platform and a bit of a classroom uh, so we can beat the wind out there and not get blown around in sandstorms and stuff. So... Call Mile High to sign up for the Mile High Detachment. And if you guys are coming to the class and you are listening, we do recommend, because this question's come up several times, uh, there's a couple guys asking, and I thought it was in the email or on the website, but I'll double check that. Um, I haven't been to the detachment website since I think they first fired it up, so I don't know. But we use the Hampton Inn in Fort Morgan. There's Fort Morgan actually has a lot of really new hotels that are nice, but the Hampton is about the nicest one. They have a deal for shooters. If you call the Hampton Inn in Fort Morgan, tell them you're with Mile High and you're one of the shooters, you get a discounted rate. Um, it's it's local to everything. As soon as you get off the highway, it's 15 minutes or so to the range. And it's kind of our meetup area. 
So Hampton Inn, guys, is the best one to stay at. And there's also a Super 8 right there. And if you go one exit down, there's like a Comfort Inn and a Roadway and a Best Western. If you go one exit the other way, there's a Clarion that has a restaurant in it. The Comfort has a restaurant too. But the Hampton is right there, like surrounded by fast food mainly because Fort Morgan doesn't have a whole lot of um, good stuff, you know, as far as food goes. Though the Chinese is really good. You know, not Chinese, the Mexican. I take that back. They're Chinese. I got Chinese on the brain now. You guys are fucking with me. Um, Mexican food. The Mexican food restaurant that's there is actually pretty darn good. I, I like that Mexican place. They give you a lot for not a lot of money, and it and it's, tastes good. All right. This has been Frank from Sniper's Hide. Stop over in the forum and say hi. Three-second load time, man. Just saying. Three seconds. All right, guys. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.